everybody. Welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. I am Black Cinephile. I am AKA Brad. That is AKA Brad. And uh, we got a fun one, man. We got we got one here that we had in the works for a while, but uh, due to some uh, <clears throat> COVID incidents, uh, we had to push it by uh, some some weeks. Yeah, ironically, we pushed it back because you couldn't go see it because you had COVID, and now the week that we're recording it, I have COVID. <laughs> you see how God works, man. Yeah, like <laughs> life is just funny like that, man. Um, yeah, man, we got Close Encounters of the Third Kind versus Nope. Man, I tell you, the minute I saw that this was available to rent on on demand, I think I texted you and was like, Brad, nope is on streaming. <laughs> I can finally see it now. <laughs> right, because I told you like um for the longest time I wanted to see it, but you know, because I was just being careful a little bit and still healing, I put it off and I was like, Man, it's, fi- it's finally here. Yeah, and I remember when you first told me, Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna be able to see this in theaters. Uh I think I had like literally seen it the day prior and i was like mm-hmm. are you sure though because i think you want to see this one in theaters and you were like no no i can't and i was like but are you sure though <laughs> right right i hit you with the uh early on i was like man even before it came out um i was like man i don't know if i'm gonna be able to see this because i got i got hit with the uh with 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 the c word mm-hmm. uh i can say i got hit with covid and uh, you were like, uh, oh, man, that sucks. Well, I'll tell you how it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely, oh, we'll be getting into that one for sure. Uh, but to start us off, do you think we should go chronological on this one? You know, I think because of the influence that um, Close Encounters has on Nope, it just makes sense. So let's start with it. Uh, so I can take Close Encounters if you want to take Nope. Sure, sure, sure. So, Close Encounters of the Third Kind follows the story of a group of people who have contact with an alien spaceship, and as a result, they start being able to draw this weird mountain kind of thing, and they start having these weird flash moments and everything that makes no sense to them until it culminates to them finding a way to go and interact with the alien species. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the entire time they're basically told there's no aliens, there's nothing. The government has been checking. There's nothing odd going on. Uh, there's no reason to be afraid. There's Everything's fine. We just don't know what it is, but it's not aliens. So that is the bare bones kind of like description of this movie. Yeah, it is bare bones, man. And I got to tell you, most of this film, it, it it's magic kind of lies within the moments. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, this is like, this is vintage Spielberg. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. this, is, this is vintage, imaginative Spielberg. And it's like so many moments throughout this film, as well as like the great special effects for its time in the 70s, uh, make this film great. Dude, how great is Richard Dreyfuss, man? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, when it comes to this movie, the cast definitely like picks up exactly where it needs to because you have him as the electrician, then you have uh, who was the Roy's wife? You had Terry Gar as mm-hmm. uh, Roy's wife, Ronnie. who yeah, absolutely goes crazy when he is you know going you know crazy because he is one of the people that gets affected by the aliens. So he is having these weird visions. He's doing this weird, like artistry stuff. She doesn't understand it. She absolutely hates that. He's like, she thinks he's doing this on purpose for some reason. And Mm -hmm. her psychotic breakdowns because of his psychotic breakdowns are just wonderful to the point that they're almost humorous. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, it gets a little real too, though. Like the moment where he's finally like, um, I, I, I guess the moment where in everybody else's eyes, he, he, he kind of snaps full tilt when he's like throwing dirt in the window and stuff. And oh, yeah. Everybody's staring at him. And uh, she gets in the car with the kids and he's like normal. He's just walking up like everything's fine. Like, sweetie, where are you going? <laughs> She's like, he's, he's like, he's like, you know, don't take the kids away. Don't be crazy. She's yeah. like, what did you just say? 
Like, you know, like... I like that after she drives away, he then casually walks back up the house. He throws another tree in through the window. And then proceeds to just just, climb in through the window. He casually ties up his rope. Like, everything is fine. And then just... Like you said, throws in the window and just climbs in after it. You got funny moments like that. And then you got pretty... I don't want to say intense, but you got, like, emotional moments. Like, when he's at the dinner... And he's like messing with the mashed potatoes, trying to get the mountain, the mountain mm-hmm. that he sees in his head, you know, down packed. And, you know, his kids are crying and stuff and everybody's just staring at him. And like he kind of realizes, oh, man, like this stuff is really making me like go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Something's wrong, but he can't control it either. That's the one thing is like he it's in his brain that he needs to do this and it, he can't stop. You know, mm-hmm. it's basically become an addiction for him because of this encounter that he had, which let's go back and talk about the encounter that he has when he's just driving the truck. I love how they use like the uh, different kind of lights beaming down uh, his everything in his truck kind of starts going crazy and falling around. Uh, the mailboxes are like opening, closing and yeah. you know the street signs are you know all shaking and everything and then they proceed to use the same effect later when people are all like in this mountain kind of going oh we're waiting for the aliens to arrive you know we're waiting for them and then you have what you think is the aliens because it's doing all the same stuff and then it ends up being a helicopter that that's is, a great shot and it starts to make you kind of think because this is still very early in the movie uh mm-hmm. Was it actually an alien or was it just a helicopter that kind of was flying very low nearby where he was? Because you have a lot of people also scanning the area because, you know, there's been a lot of reports of UFOs. So you have a lot of helicopter. Basically, almost every scene in the background, there's a helicopter somewhere. Mm -hmm. So it does give you like that idea of maybe that was a helicopter, but then he starts going into these huge kind of like drawings and trying to figure out this mountain that he keeps seeing in his head. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are right though. The film does kind of create doubt with the, uh, the, you know, the, um, the incoming helicopter and, you know, uh, you, you, you know, everything's roaring around like it did when he was in the car uh, on, on the job. Yeah. Like, yeah, the man. movie tries to kind of give itself an out of explanation, mm. fully knowing that that's not the path it's going to take. Like, I love how Spielberg does that kind of work, where he loves using the same kind of effects to different uh, motions to happen. So... You know, he does that several times in different movies. Uh, You know, the glass of water in Jurassic Park and stuff, how that means different things. Uh, You know, the shaking signs and everything in this movie. It's, I absolutely love how he uses these practical kind of effects to it. And yeah, like you said, this is a classic Spielberg movie. It it is Mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic. Yeah, man. I, uh, yeah, you gotta love all parts of it. Like, Okay, hold up. First of all, a uh, homegirl deserves. Um, let's let's give it a uh, mother of the decade uh, of the seventies, because this woman just keeps failing at like trying to kind of keep hold of her son as the aliens are messing around with their uh, with their house. I'm talking about Jillian's character. Yeah, yeah. Like just, I, I this kid deserves to be like put in boot camp because when your mama tells you. Don't go towards the flashing lights that could abduct you. You listen to what your mom is saying to you. See, I love that when uh, even uh, when they're kind of messing with the house and everything and like you have the light coming down the chimney, the kid's like, look, come on, come on. And she's like, no, no, get away from there. And then you have like the the what was it? The uh, screws holding down like the air vents in the floor. (laughs) She's like, oh, no, no. I love how she's panicking every time something like changes and then the vacuum cleaner starts chasing them. It's like, it's such a weird scene. It was like watching a Looney Tunes cartoon. Pretty much. Yeah. And it's like, how badly do these aliens want this kid that they're literally like, well, the chimney didn't work. Let's try the air vents. That didn't work. I don't know. Chase them around the house with a vacuum. Maybe that'll scare them away. (laughs) I think it's how badly that the kid want the aliens. That too. Yeah. 
this dude went through the trap door like, oh, like what did he say? Oh, through here. Oh yeah. <laughs> then that's that's when the aliens finally took him. And I was like, man, this this whole thing is. I I I don't I th- I don't think I had anxiety during that scene, but I was like, I was like, how do you keep losing grip of this little three year old kid? Yeah, this. You literally have one job. It is right, to watch what? this kid, and somehow he's just gone all the time. Oh, uh, man, my mind was gone when when she first woke up and saw her kid outside. And he's like, he's like, Barry, Barry. And he's looking up at her like, ah, the, the, the lights. The, the Why aren't you immediately running downstairs? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Uh, yeah, because she gets woken up by, like, his toys going off in her bedroom. She's like, what the hell is this? Just looks outside, and her kid's just outside in his pajamas. And it's like, you, you don't have a more immediate concern <laughs> about what's going on? Right. Oh, look at this. As I'm walking, let, let me just discover everything. Oh, wait, my son's outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me just slowly go through and be like, hey, why is all the food outside of the fridge on the floor right now? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, man, that that whole arc right there was like I, it's either somebody I know Spielberg is credited as a sole writer, but I know a lot of people helped him with the script. I mean, either somebody doesn't know what an unrequited mother's love is or they mm. were just like, let's just let her be like a, a, a bad mom just to get the plot going. Yeah, it, it, she had to be. Yeah, it, it's one of those weird ones where. After her kid's abducted, she becomes such a very, like, attentive, like, I need to get my son back. I'll do whatever it takes. Oh, now you care. And it's like, yeah, now now it matters, huh? Yeah. Yeah, now that she, you know, you lost your kid, now it's a problem. Right, right. Hey, you know the guy that plays uh, the French scientist? Uh, you know he's a well-known director. Is he really? Uh, yeah, Fr- Francois Truffaut. Uh, he he started out in about the French New Wave with Godard and them, but uh, yeah, he's actually like a well-known like a uh, film director that kind of inspired a lot of the Spielbergs and everybody in his generation. So it's kind of interesting that he has them in that role. Huh? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and Lan- Lance Harrickson, he came out of nowhere towards the end. He was. He was in the show Millennium, and uh, I think he's he was in, he was in X Files too. You'll know the face when you see him. But like when I saw his face, I was like, "That's Lance Henriksen." Let me pull. Oh yes, I know exactly. Yes. And I was like, I looked at him like, "Oh, he's in this movie." Then I saw Carl Weathers, and I, I started noticing more people. I was like, "Man, they got a lot of." Well-known people in this in minor roles, you know. Right. Yeah. This was. Uh... I I want to say they were even pretty big names when this came out too because what year did Close Encounters come out? It was after Jaws, so people knew Richard Dreyfuss for Jaws. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, 1977. So, yeah. This doesn't feel like this feels like more like an early 80s film than a late 70s film to me uh, at least. Given the effects in it and everything too, uh yeah. I I would even say that it's like it's almost got like '90s level effects in some of the scenes. It's a '90s effect with an '80s feel in a '70s made movie. Right? Yeah. Okay. It's definitely yeah, it, it's a before its time kind of film. Like I know that there's like a new revamps, like director's cut and stuff like that. But watching like the original version and stuff, it's like these the effects still are pretty good on that. See, that's the thing I, I think that's what I watched because there's three versions. There's the original, the special edition, the director's cut. I think I saw the director's cut. Okay. I can't remember if the director's cut had the new effects in it or not. Because I know they I know- updated the effects in it, so the ship actually looks, you know, like a actual CG spaceship. I think special edition has it where he films things inside the spaceship, and I think he always regretted that. Um, okay. So that's what that one is. Uh, dude, the first time I saw this was in theaters when they first uh, brought it back to theaters. And uh, I think it was a Fathom event. Mm-hmm. That was my first time seeing this, man. It, it looked pretty good on screen. See, I remember seeing this one just on DVD 
randomly in the past. I don't remember. I don't mm. think there was any like purpose or anything. It was just kind of like, oh, hey, watch this movie. And that was it. Uh, but this is, nice. I want to say, the third time that I've seen this movie now. Uh, I haven't watched the special edition, I don't think. I've seen the director's cut before, and then mm. I've seen the original. Mm. Okay. Yeah, man, I think, like, in the, in the later half, in, like, the third half of the film, even though it does kind of lag a bit for me, I really love just that final moment with, like, the ship and, like, they're on that that. I don't want to say it's a landing base, but they're in this base where they got the they got the keyboard set up with the sounds. Yeah, in the and, like pseudo military base or the temporary military base. Right, right, right. And uh, dude, I just love it how they're playing around with the sounds, and then the ship kind of just it, it does the dun 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 dun, and then goes off into different octaves and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And everybody's just like standing there looking in awe. Like I think that's just such a that's such a perfectly set up scene, man. Oh, yeah, especially because it starts with just the three ships that they're trying to communicate with using the sounds and the colors. And then what they do is those three ships leave and they're like, oh, my God, that was a success. And all of a sudden this huge ship shows up and they're just like, "Okay, well, that that wasn't a part of the plan. (laughs) Y'all thought we were done. We're just getting started. (laughs) We're done when I say we're done. Right, in a Walter White kind of way. He says, no, we're going to keep doing these little uh, piano things here. Right. So we won't blow up this planet. Uh, I I like how when all of the, um, you know, before the kid comes by, I like how when all of the uh, soldiers from uh, the 40s come out, like one by one, and then uh, they they treat it so casual, like, no, no, the, the the people are kind of like shocked to see them like, oh, hey, you're, you're still alive. And the one guy's like, OK, let's take you to the debriefing room. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, say hi and everything. Let's let's get you debriefed. Right. Welcome back, soldier. Just right this way, please. <laughs> right. Let's let's make sure you don't have any radioactive. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, 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 pheromones on you or whatever. Yeah. Let's make sure that uh, we don't bring you back and you have some alien disease with you. Right. We don't want to turn this into a Ridley Scott situation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I love that whole setup, man. And um, well, my only question was, why keep them for 30 years and just bring the kid back? Like, I don't know, two weeks later. I think it ended up just being a timing thing. So because you had a lot of people that had reached these kind of. Uh, what was it? The encounters with them. And we got to see some of them like try and go to the mountain and everything like that. And then the government's like, yeah, no, no, it's it's toxic in the air and everything. You, you'll you never survive. And, you know, you have, uh, you know, Roy and, you know, going, yeah, no, no, that's that's not how this works. The, there's nothing wrong with the air. You're just saying that. I love that shot in the helicopter where the guy's like, the air feels better here than in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> But so you have a lot of people that have probably been reaching this contact point. This is just the first time that, you know, anybody's met them that can communicate back with them because you have to keep in mind, like the government was seeing that message of just numbers and they were just going, we have no idea what it means. You know, we sent them this message and we just keep getting this back on repeat on loop. And it's not until the one person comes in and goes, have any of you actually looked at a map before? (laughs) Because these right. are coordinates. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like how... So, explain this to me. So, Richard Dreyfus' character, Roy, so he was the only one they let on the ship? Because I saw like a whole lit, I saw like a whole line of astronauts ready to go, and they just said, no, no, we want him. Like, so, I, so I have to believe one. that was because he was chosen. Because they make the comment when... Uh, uh, they're sending the people off because of the bad air that, uh, you know, look, these people didn't come here because we invited them. They came here because they were chosen. You know, Mm. they didn't come all this way for nothing. And out of all the people, they're just the ones that made it this far. There's 
you know, possibly hundreds more that just weren't able to make it as far as they did. And we're turning them all away. And so the only person that was in that room getting the training and everything was Roy for being one of the chosen ones by the aliens. Everybody else that was in there were just astronauts and everything like that. They had no connection to him at all. But he had that kind of connection with them. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Dude, I got to tell you, man, I had a I had a chopping up onions moment during that ending, man. Where the uh where the where the alien was was doing the hand sign. Uh, oh yeah, with the, the, with the like, French Santas. This this, you know. Right. I don't know what they're saying. Are they saying nice to meet you or something? I don't know what it means, to be honest. I never looked it up to see. For all I know, they'd be like, all right, later, bro. Yeah. Later, broski. Later, broski. <laughs> I, got, I'm out. <laughs> right. And then you got the alien smiling. And I'm like, dude, I know that's the special effect, but that's like the that's like the best alien smile I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I love how they use, like, the standard uh, gray man. Or was this movie the one that started the gray alien big head kind of look for them? I don't know. When did Fire in the Sky come out? Um, I never saw that. Oh, that was in 1993. Yeah, it might. It might be. It might be the first. Yeah, because it is that classic design for them. And I'm trying to remember if this is actually the start of what peop- made people go, oh, that's what aliens look like. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also like that there was the one very lanky one that we only really get one shot of as it's like coming out of the ship and then it kind of disappears from there. Right. I wish we got more of that one because that was an interesting design choice for it. That looked like one of the really Scott aliens. I, like, if, like, if I saw that at first, I was like, uh-oh. Right, yeah. This, right. This it, it seems intimidating because you have this thing that's, like, just towering over everybody else. And then you have all these little, you know, gray, you know, children popping out. And it's like, okay, well, right. that's not as scary. Now, now we're back to the childish Spielberg. Right, right. Because <laughs> I was like, I thought we, we, well, we almost went to a different movie. It was like, uh-oh. Get the guns! Yeah, <laughs> right um yeah man overall man classic film dude like uh for what it is i thoroughly enjoy it um like i said it's vintage spielberg man you got you got a lot of whimsical the fantastical uh you got characters you like and um that you actually care about uh it i gotta say the whole roy neary even though his plot line is a little odd with his family like leaving him and you're not really knowing if he's crazy or not and like that couple with Jillian, you know, mother of the year, like mm-hmm. I like how their paths do converge and they do they get like with that little kiss they have at the end. They, they, they're 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 um, everyone else thinking they're going insane. What they believe this whole time is like solidified, like, you know, like, oh, my goodness, it exists. Right. Like, you know, we, we made it here and this is real. Yeah, man, I love I love that character development overall, man. I, I get us a four point five. Oh yeah, I agree. This one's uh, I, I'd give this one a four out of five though. Okay, but it's it's definitely it's a classic movie. It's got everything that you know you expect from like an alien kind of movie. That's not an alien invasion movie. You know, you have the suspense of not knowing when it's going to happen. You have like the little bits of nods to is it real? Is it not? You have the government kind of moments where they're trying to figure everything out. Uh, There's multiple stories going on here. And I love how they intertwine and actually like converge at the end to be satisfying for all the endings. Mm-hmm. where they all like tie up very nicely you know you don't go well hold on what about this plot line or what about this thing mm-hmm. everything comes together very nicely yeah i agree i agree uh all right man you ready to transition over oh man uh i have been ready for like pff, when did this movie first come into theaters <laughs> wasn't really that long ago it was it was, it was july <laughs> <laughs> It feels like it's been years, man. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, man. Uh, gonna go. The movie I've been waiting for a long time, man. I told you there was a, a few key films I was waiting for in the final quarter of uh, well, towards the latter half of 2022, and this is one of them. 
we got Jordan Peele's long-awaited film, Nope. Uh, so basically, uh, pretty much uh, summarize the plot here before we get into the nitty gritty. So Nope surrounds um, the characters of uh, brother and sister, OJ and Emerald. So Otis and Emerald, OJ and M. So the, um, OJ and M, uh, their father, uh, played by the great Keith David, uh, runs a Hollywood horses ranch. Uh, his name is Otis Sr. And like they're like uh, the descendant of... Um, the first black man on a horse on celluloid. So like the first celluloid picture of cinema, which considered, which consisted of a black man on a horse, that's their great, great, great grandfather. Um, tragedy happens in the prologue of the film where um, Otis's father dies uh, from um, the, this, this strange event that happens above their farm where uh, a bunch of uh, flying objects, a bunch of metal objects are flung down like hail from the sky. Um, this whole time OJ's been told like, oh, it was some kind of plane accident or some kind of freak plane incident that that caused this, that caused the uh, a metal nickel to go inside Otis Senior eye and basically kill him. Yeah, it lodged table. itself like into his brain, you know, there through you his go. eye. Right. He always holds on to the coin. So ever since then, uh, cut to present day, you know, M is around uh, to help him out with, you know, trying to get some business trying to get some business um, for the company, you know, like uh, they have a unfortunate incident on a movie set where after she gives her speech in the beginning that she's always been trained to do, uh, you know, OJ is not really like a, he's not really a person that likes people, you know, he, yeah, he's not a social person. He very yeah. much likes working on the farm. He likes working with animals and he doesn't like talking to people. He doesn't like making business deals. Right. So he needs M there to be the uh, the interpersonal uh, liaison, kind of. So, you know, long story short, they've been going on some rough times and um, they come across a discovery, uh, uh, which in the beginning, they look at it as a flying saucer and they figure like, hey, let's let's try to capitalize off of this. We can make some money for uh, the farm. And the funny thing about this movie is that everybody has different intentions. You know, everybody looks at this little discovery, which could be a UFO, and everybody has different intentions. And so that's the, um, I mean, that's the bare bones of Nope. You know, you want to you wanna start dissecting this thing, man? So first off, let's go into one of the side stories within this movie. And that's the one with, uh, what's his name, Jupe, who was the yeah, former... I know you want yeah. to talk about this, man. You've been waiting to talk to me about this ever since I saw it. Right. So it, this is like one of those kind of side stories because it takes place in kind of a fictional TV show called Gordy's Home, which is just a family mm -hmm. matters kind of sitcom with a chimpanzee in the center of it. So as a part of that, the uh, chimpanzee eventually goes crazy after a balloon pops in the studio and it sets it off and it proceeds to kill everybody in the cast except for the uh, little boy character, Jupe, who goes on to be played later on by uh, Stephen Yoon as the adult version of that character who is trying to like basically monetize the fact that he was on this show uh, after this terrible incident occurred. So I, I love how we get little glimpses of this moment. Like in the very beginning, we get the little glimpse of the chimpanzee, like covered in blood, kind of like going up and like tapping the toe of one of the people and, you know, kind of looking around. But I, I love how it plays with, uh, the fact that, you know, you don't get much information. Then later on, we see, like, another clip where you see, like, Jupe hiding under the table and, you know, being able to see things going on. And then we later finally get the full picture of, you know, everything that's going on with it. Uh, it is such a bone-chilling kind of scene. Like, watching it just, just you know, beat people that's up. Great, and, that's a great harrowing sequence, man. Like, I, I love the way that's filmed. Like, that... A sequence like that shows you that the most horrifying stuff can happen off screen with your imagination. Oh, yeah. Because like, like when you're coming up on the monkey and you just hear him just you just beat you, you see him just beating on something and you know it's flesh. And then you just do a hard cut 
and then you just see juke under oh, the and table. Oh, you can hear like the bone and, um, crunching, and you can hear like yeah. just the blood splatter. And it's like, oh, that is even worse than seeing it. Is just hearing it, and knowing what it is, and because you can, your brain you fills can, in the you, other information. Right, and you know, it's just just filmmaking, horror filmmaking one on one right there. And I love how with Homegirl, you can basically hear her choking for her life, and you can basically like see him. I think he beats her up a few more times. And then you, and then you. And I'm like, at one point, I'm like, this motherfucker eating her? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? You know, and I'm like, um, you know that's based off a real event. Yeah, I remember it is based off, uh, I'm trying to remember what the actual event was called that's based off of, but yeah. Yeah, man, that whole scene is uh, pretty bone-chilling and pretty effective. And I like how it kind of ties into everything that's going on. Because at one point, you're like, Okay, I know this exists for a reason, and I know this juke guy exists for a reason, but what's what's the full point of this? Mm-hmm. And I feel like to understand that, you, you either got to watch the film a second time or, you know, and or go on the internet and have people kind of dissect it. Because it's really, really, I think this is like an intelligent blockbuster because it's really about spectacles and, and about exploitation. You right. know what I'm saying? Well, it's also has that moment of like, it, it was him because he was on a show where they thought that they could control a predator, you know, a mm-hmm. chimpanzee. And then he proceeds to try and, uh, or he thinks he has control over the UFO or the alien who is also Correct. a predator. So it's, and he go on. He believes in bad miracles. Like what OJ says to him, like he sees that shoe standing up and he kind of like, you know, puts it in a glass case after the whole incident, keeps it in his like little like, uh, I guess his shrine of the whole incident of right, uh, yeah. him being on the show. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you you go ahead, man. But yeah, I, I absolutely love how they kind of, this movie, as you said, it is basically a entire thing of being, using exploitative uh, measures in order to gain fame in order to try and like hit that high of, you know, becoming a millionaire or getting that shot that, you know, is impossible to get. Or for personal gain too. Right. Like um, M wants to be famous. OJ wants to save the ranch. Jupe wants to prove that he can like confront his trauma of the past that, you know, he acts like it doesn't bother him, but you can kind of see glimpses. Like, the fact that he talks about an SNL skit about the whole event than actually talking about what happened mm. proves that he's still trying to push it further in his mind or try to act like it doesn't bother him. My man from the uh, electronics store wants to prove that UFOs exist. Everybody has a certain motive. Yeah. Like, you know, but not realizing that you, you can't tame an animal. Yeah, and I love that uh, you have OJ kind of deciphers that the creature, you know, it, it's not a ship. It's actually an alien. And not only that, but it has the animalistic instincts. So mm-hmm. he's able to kind of use what he has from uh, training horses to know, okay, so we can uh, basically take advantage of this thing's predatory kind of skills. Mm-hmm. We know a couple things. It creates electric uh, disturbance. It goes after whatever it can for food, and it'll only consume whatever looks at it. And dude, I love how. No, I, I hear. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I like the whole setup of the final part. I was just gonna say, I like how he took some inspiration from Evangelion for for oh yeah. some of the creation of the uh, of the animal. Yeah, for the look of the alien, he uh, took the, what was it, the angels from Evangelion. Right. Yeah, which I love that you've actually saw that now, so you actually could get that reference. I get the reference, man. If you had said that to me about like a year ago, I'd be like, oh, that's that anime show that I haven't gotten into. Right. (laughs) All right, I hear you. I'm I'm not going to argue with you. But um, yeah, man, I... uh, what was I about to say? I was about to say that final showdown. Um, dude, I just loved how the creature morphs. Like this whole time, we're thinking it's aliens in a ship. Mm-hmm. And I like how Peel gives us the fake out. Like, oh, no, that's that's its form. That's its shape. Mm-hmm. That's not really a UFO. 
Yeah, because we get that first kind of glimpse of it, like after uh, it. Well, no, more when the stadium like tries to lure it out using the horse. Uh, yeah, the yeah, jupe yeah. is like selling tickets, so, you know, see a UFO, no flash photography, blah, blah, blah. And it comes and it literally swallows the entire stadium. And that's where you start getting the idea. Oh, it's not just a ship. You know, it's something else. And then you got the inside shot of people like inside. Because at first I thought it was them trying to claw their way into, uh, you know, the alien spaceship. I said, okay, that's an interesting shot. But then when it starts like, you know, like swallowing people out, like, like spitting people out. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is because of the metal horse it uh, it, it, it swallowed earlier. That's like, ah oh, man, why did y'all feed me this? Now oh, I gotta yeah. spray blood. Up. Now I gotta spray blood all over your house. Um, I thought that was an in- I thought that was an interesting shot too. Yeah, I love how they use that to be able to tell you know the uh, flags. It doesn't like the flags because it got stuck in you know its uh, you know I throat or whatever. In and, his claw, whatever. Right. So it didn't like that. So they kind of use that to its advantage because later when they're like tempting it, he has the string of like flags behind him. So he knows that it won't attack him. Yeah. Yeah, man. Overall, I, I think this was a great film, dude. The final showdown was like I, that. That was just well filmed to me, man. And it, it took me a while to kind of understand what was going on. Like, um, like which with what part? So, like, of course, the staging of trying to trap the uh, the the UFO, which they're called with trap the alien, which they call Jean Jacket from like a moment from their childhood. That took me a while to kind of catch on to. Like, this is a film that kind of requires multiple viewings, Mm -hmm. you know, like um, because I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. I don't I don't quite know why they're doing it. And like as the film was going on, you start to catch on more and more. Okay, I see what's happening. It's kind of like a Chris Nolan film. Where, uh, you know, dialogue is important as well as like trying to like uh, looking at images and things, if that makes sense. But um, the final showdown where M, basically the alien is is in between M and OJ, which is kind of like a theme for how they're so different. Mm-hmm. Like OJ is just so stuck to the farm because it's all he knows. M is just like off in L.A. doing her thing because she just doesn't she doesn't like being on the farm. She likes to go out and like live up live her life and not be reminded of like her childhood and like and like that her dad is gone so that's like i like how it like separates them but i didn't notice the first time watching it that you know the front of the alien was where the whole i guess square shapes were popping out like that was oh, like, like his the, eye. the green i think that was its mouth oh that was his mouth i thought that was his eye Oh, maybe that was its eye. I don't, because I thought that square in the center was the same kind of square that uh, it was using, like to suck everything up whenever it was eating everything. It probably was. It probably was. But I like how the final showdown is of her, um, it following her back to uh, uh, Jupiter's claim. Mm-hmm. And uh, initially, I didn't know what she was trying to do with the whole with the um, the Jupiter. Uh, oh, the balloon. balloon? Yeah, because I was like, I was like, okay, I see that, but what's the whole deal with the wishing well? Like, what, what is she trying to do? And then I figured, like, okay, she's trying to get proof that it exists. Um, but I thought that was a great showdown, man. I thought that was well filmed, well executed. I thought the final scene at the end with the uh, with her brother showing up in the in the cloud of dust. Most people thought that was kind of her imagination that he didn't survive, but I think. I think it's kind of evident that he survived. Yeah, I think it's because we didn't have a scene where you would believe that he did die. Right. You know, because he was kind of there trying to, like, distract it for a minute, but Mm -hmm. we didn't have any, like, on-screen proof. Because the same is for uh, Angel, who, you know, he managed to get wrapped up in the tarp and everything. So split it open a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man, I thought that was a, a great final moment. But, um, dude, I love, I don't know where this actor is from, bro, but he, I think we're going to see him in more films. The guy that played the cinematographer, I just love how he's oh. just so like, uh, yeah, he, I know he, they say he was in Alien 4. I don't remember him in that movie. Yeah. Michael Wincott. Yeah. I love how he has the raspy voice and he's like, uh, you want to get the, uh, the miraculous shot 
Let me yeah. tell you, kid, I've been chasing it my whole life. It's not worth the chase. Yeah. I was like, I don't know where to laugh at this guy or just call him like one of the great, one of the best uh, characters in this film. Well, I love that uh, when she's first talking to him and she goes, we're looking to get the impossible shot. And he just goes, that's impossible. <laughs> right, right. I love how he goes out. He goes out loving his work, man. I, I, his death is probably one of the best ones in the movie because he's like, um, initially he chooses to leave. Like, you know what? This isn't even worth it, man. This is just too much. But then he, as he's dying, he's like running the camera, uh, looking up at the thing as it's swallowing it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As he's like going up and everything, he's still reeling the camera. It's like, oh, I really hope that that footage survives somehow because that would be glorious for his ending. That would be the impossible shot. It, the impossible shot that he said was impossible to get. Yeah, he, yeah. him and uh, I absolutely loved, uh, who was it, Brandon Peria as mm-hmm. uh, Angel, the uh, just the sales guy at Fry's, who literally sets up their equipment and everything. He's like, so what you, what you trying to find, burglars? <laughs> does does the camera point up any higher? Like, like that? Not higher. <laughs> like at, right. at the sky yeah yeah oh, okay if, i love how it goes like you mind if i uh, view your footage uh like, like just for any like inconsistencies no hell no yeah. like, <laughs> and then i uh i like how he comes back and says uh you you guys are searching ufos just i thought i told you not to look at our shit <laughs> right like, no, he man. originally like calls her and goes, "There's a mantis on camera." B and she's like, "I know that." Wait, how do you know that? Oh, right, right, right. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I loved him. Like, I like, I like every character in this, man. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like everybody does a great job. Um, what I what I was gonna say to you is, I see how this film is kind of polarizing, though. Like, I yeah. I liked it better than us. You know, I don't think. So far, it's going to be hard to top Get Out. Like, we don't know what the future holds, but Get Out is just such a fiercely original movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I like this better than I, I like this better than us. But I see how this is so polarizing because some people. So so here, here's where it goes. And, you know, my wife and I, we didn't debate this fiercely since we saw the Green Knight. Uh, you got the people who are on the side of my wife going like, yeah, I get it, but is was all that really necessary you know he could have just made a straightforward sci-fi movie like this is a waste of time and you got people like me who go well no there's there's, there's some depth to it and it can be broken apart and really looked at and dissected and you got and you got other people that go yeah but why mm-hmm. like this is this film is not for everybody I, I i'll say that off the top i like how original it is but I can see how I could be polarizing to some people. Yeah, it's basically it. I think somebody uh, <clears throat> when I was reading like uh, what some people were like comparing it to, it has a very much like found footage vibe in its pacing. Hmm, that's where interesting. I wouldn't connect. Okay, where basically you see little glimpses of it at first, and then it starts to get more and more. And we have, like, the camera angles and everything like that. It, it comes off as very found footage, which typically those are paced very slowly because, as this movie puts it, you want the money shot, which is always at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, is what turned a lot of people off to it, is the pacing on it is very slow in regards to the alien. Mm-hmm. because there's so much more that the movie is trying to do than just be an alien movie. And I, I, I like that about it because it's not trying to be like, Oh, this is just an alien that we're trying to capture. It's about these people that, you know, I want to be rich and famous. And this person wants to be able to just prove that aliens exist. This other person just wants to be on his farm and live his life. He wants nothing to do with this. Just let him be. He has work right. to do in the morning. Right, right. I love that. I love that line OJ gives. Like, like I got work in the morning. You know, because yeah. it's, it's his life. The farm is his life. Um, yeah, but I can see how this is polarizing to some people. Like, uh, I really like. Here's a here's a here's a scene that was kind of like um, really scary. Not scary, but it kind of like put a little bit of fear in you because you wasn't expecting it. Um, that scene when they're in the barn. And 
how to how to uh you know it was the kids pranking them before of course but you didn't oh, know what yeah. it was like when that when that alien thing started to stand up you were like oh no oh what's going on here and um i like how he was backing up you know the one alien thing came out of the bar and he was like nope 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 and he oh, yeah. put out his camera trying to take a picture because i'm like you're saying nope but you're trying to take footage of this why don't you just run <laughs> I think he basically was in a state of shock of just like, I, I don't want anything to do with this, but at the same time, this is what I'm going to need to be able to prove that there's right. something I, going on. I need this to get the money from the farm, right? Right. right. And I love uh, how the one kid like comes out and kind of uh, tries to scare him. And he just punches right in the face. That reminded me of a viral video where I think somebody was trying to scare somebody. Um, it, it was it was a black guy. I think he was talking to somebody. Somebody popped up out of a trash can. He punched him real quick, like, oh, and then he oh, screamed. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was that was the, that was the reaction. He punched, then screamed. Right. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, the use of the like, what was it? The uh, white plastic horse that we kind of mentioned a little bit where mm-hmm. they use it as bait and everything. And then later it throws it right back at him, like right through his car windshield, the scene where he's driving back to the house with the horse kind of just sticking straight up out of the windshield. Right. I, it's hilarious in a way. Uh, but that was one of the jumps that actually got me a little bit. That's where the movie's logic starts to fall on me a little bit. Cause I'm like, so it doesn't swallow up people who 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 look. It doesn't swallow up people who don't look at it, like because I was like, I said, I get, I guess that makes sense. But I'm like, how does a horse look at that? How does a horse look at that? You know what I'm saying? It was more. Like, it only goes for things that uh, it sees as prey. So it saw horses hmm. as prey. You know, and people, it doesn't notice until they're kind of looking at it because of the reflection. So in order to like interpret it, it kind of use, remember at the beginning of the movie where the person has like the flash cam and the horse is fine until he flips it around and he has the mirror that it basically reflects back at the horse. Mm. And it creates that moment of like, oh, now I see this thing. Oh, okay. All right. I got you. All right. That kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah, man, I just feel like this film has layers that you could pull peel back for days. Uh, it's a straight four out of five to me. Uh, yeah, this one's a four point five out of five. Really? Yeah, I think I, I, it does a great job at creating the tension of everything. Uh, when we finally see the alien, it actually feels fulfilling to see it. Uh, and it still has that like mystery about it of like we still have no idea anything about this alien. Yeah, you know, we know a little bit, but we don't know everything. I feel like I got to watch. I feel like a few more watches will get will get me there. But I feel like a four is good for me. Like I feel like a four is, is solid. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul, man. Whatever this man brings to the cinema next, I'm there. You know, he's very he's very uh, original and unique. And I like how he approaches genre subjects from like a subversive view you know what i'm saying like we expect this to be like another close encounters uh but it ended up being something a little bit different right yeah um i i absolutely love how he's the naming conventions for his movies too like Mm -hmm. calling this one nope is it intrigues you it is it intrigues you and it's such a perfect title for it because literally in that situation you're just like nah i i don't want anything to do with this nope not not here (laughs) not happening right like you know i like how people would ask him like so the the title is it like an acronym for not our planet earth or anything like that it's like no it's just it's just what i expect people to go when they see the trailer like nope yeah <laughs> like i like i like that makes it even funnier to be honest um hey man before we before we let go here did you check out uh amazon's billion dollar investment no the not rings yet. of power i i haven't seen that or the new game of thrones spinoff series yet house of the dragon yeah i haven't seen that either um man i just a billion dollars did you see the first episode of it? No, I'm gonna wait. Uh, I actually wanted to read the books first and then get back into the whole trilogies and everything. And then I'm in no rush. Um, but like, 
that's the most expensive series ever made. Apparently, it pulled in the biggest like first night premiere drawing of any Amazon original. Oh yeah, they want to make their money back. Trust me. Oh yeah. Because every time I'm on the Fire Stick, every Amazon small car I see, I go ring. I see Rings of Power. <coughs> hey, did you know about? You know we got a Lord of Rings show now. Okay, yeah. you can get back to your Mr. Bean. We just want to let you know we got that. Hey, remember right. we we got that new Lord of the Rings show here. Like they they are pushing this. Hey, remember Lord of the Rings? It's not over yet. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Did you hear about how when people were trying to troll them, uh, posting the bad reviews that they 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 blocked reviews for like seventy two hours? Did they really? Yeah, like I guess people were putting out troll reviews for it. Either people who just didn't want to watch the show because they're like such diehard fans of like the Tolkien books. Or just trying to just, I guess, troll the show. They were like, okay, we can't have no negative publicity. We have to make our money back. <laughs> let's, let's just block reviews for 72 hours. I mean, that happens with almost every major release now. Is There's a group of people that are like, oh, I got to review bomb this down with one stars, even though I have nothing to you know say about it because I haven't seen it yet. Right. Just on the concept that it has this one thing that I don't like, whether it's an actor I don't like or a director I don't like, or it's ruining something from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to take my time with House of the Dragon, though. I feel like I'm still I still have Game of Thrones withdrawals. <laughs> I, I, I still have yet to have the same feeling where it's like, yeah, I, I don't need to see this. Yeah, yeah. I will watch it eventually, maybe somewhere down the line. I heard that it's good. You know, I, I heard that it's pretty good. I The reviews I've heard for Rings of Power is like, uh, yeah, it looks beautiful, but I, nothing's really happening right now. It's but, still in the setup phase? I think so, yeah. Some people say, well, there are some battle sequences, but some people are like, the plot is still kind of gestating. Some people have complained about the dialogue. But uh, everyone says, you know, hey, it looks beautiful, though. You you see the billion dollars, that's for sure. Right. But I think that uh, wraps it up for today. All right. Wraps it up. Wraps it up. All right, y'all. Another great episode of DFV. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Recording stop.